Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Bonnie in the house. I always get a kick out of hearing my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, at Voice America do that now, now, now. Thank you, Ryan. He couldn't have said it any better. I am going to start the show today with a buzz. Wait till you hear what we're talking about. You want to know this. So here's the buzz. I found an article on businessinsider.com. I'm going to read a little quote, and then I'll tell you what in the world we're talking about. So here we go. Just about everyone involved in the show brought their A-game this year, with several major product categories seeing some truly transformative technology, namely in computing, gaming, and the smart home. We saw the public debut of the first ever laptop with a foldable display. The smart home is bound to get even smarter in 2020, including smart door locks, connected toothbrushes, and the fastest beverage cooler we've ever seen. Yes, that's from Business Insider. What in the world are they talking about? You probably know the answer. CES 2020. That's where the world's tech ecosystem met just a couple weeks ago to solve some of the world's most challenging issues. Maybe you didn't think you needed a foldable laptop. Maybe you didn't think you needed a smart door lock or a connected toothbrush, but they think you do. More than 4,500 exhibitors launched more than 20,000 new tech products, including AI, AR, VR, smart cities, resilient sports, robotics, 5G, of course 5G and more. I've got a panel of three wow visionaries, people who know what they're talking about. They're going to help us dissect what happened at CES 2020 and figure out what it means to you. So the name of this episode is CES 2020. What can you do with robot kitties, smart trash cans, and oodles of gadgets? And my three special panelists are Lori H. Schwartz, Clint Crook, and Ryan Tramp. So welcome to my three. And now it's time for my panelists to introduce themselves. Lori H. Schwartz, I've been trying to get you on one of my radio shows for years, and here you are. I'm thrilled. You're a broadcaster. You're well-known all over the world for what you do in tech. You are, your company is StoryTech. Lori, in your own words, why don't you spend about two minutes condensing your vast bio so that my listeners can know who you are and what do you do. Go ahead, Lori. Sure. Well, I'm based in Los Angeles and my sort of special swirl is that, um, that, that mix between content, tech, and media. And really for the last 15 years, I've been consulting with brands, tech companies, and content companies to help them understand what's happening with all of these new devices and how it impacts what they're doing. And so a lot of that kind of consulting takes place sometimes in their offices. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it in the last few years has actually taken place at big trade shows like the Consumer Electronics Show, where my company delivers on a lot of experiences at these shows. And so one of the things we're most well known for is actually giving executive show floor tours at the Consumer Electronics Show. So I walk around executives and I explain the trends around the technology so they know how to activate what's happening with all of this new stuff. That's exciting. Lori, a quick question. How did you get started in this business? You give show tours to executives at Consumer Electronics Show CES. I'm fascinated. How did you get into this line of work? <laughs> um, well, I was on staff at a big, um, a big uh, agency, a big Marcom holding company running their innovation tech lab 
Um, and it was just, um, I started going to CS myself, and then I started realizing, hey, I should bring my clients who were the agencies themselves and the mm-hmm. agency's clients, the brands, to CES because I started seeing that all these different screens and these different platforms were going to become channels to communicate to the new consumer. And as I started walking them around, we realized, oh, this is something that people actually want and need because it brings context. And I had some other colleagues that were doing it as well, and I learned from them, including a gentleman named Shelley Palmer, who's quite famous for doing tours at CES as well. Mm-hmm. And when I left um, the big job, I approached the CTA who runs CES, and I said, hey, I want to give you another version of the tour. And I actually launched StoryTech at CES about eight years ago with some colleagues with the understanding that we needed to tell the story around technology. And you do that by walking people around and explaining the context around all these solutions. Very exciting. You're a real go-getter, and I have to tell everybody, I'm looking at, and Lori has a middle initial she takes everywhere, like I'm Bonnie D. Graham. She's Lori H. Schwartz. There's a gazillion Lori Schwartz in the world. Well, how many Bonnie Grahams do you think there are, too? I I used to be on somebody's TV show on Long Island. I said, if you dare to introduce me just as Bonnie Graham, I'm walking off the set. They said, why? I said, because nobody will know who I am. Here, I'm known as a a chick drummer where I am, and I'm a drummer now, and they call me Bonnie D. That's the name on my drums. What can I tell you? Lori, I'm looking at your PR photo, which obviously on radio people can't see right now, and you have your hands folded in front of you, your arms crossed, and it looks like I've got a secret, and if you contact me, I'll tell you what it is. I love the photo, Lori. i got to move on. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show, if you can't tell that already. Let's go around the table to Clint Crook at Accenture. Clint was on one of my SAP Game Changers radio shows a couple of months ago, and somehow the topic of CES came up, and he said he'd love to be on today and talk with us. So, Clint, why don't you introduce yourself today on Tech Rev? That's what we call this show. How are you, Clint? Happy New Year. Great, Bonnie. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. Um, happy to be on the show uh, again. And yes, yeah, CES was an amazing uh, event. It was one of not my first. It was probably my third or fourth event. And um, to, to Lori's uh, business uh, plan, uh, that is the uh, the people that are in the know have private tours. And that mm-hmm. is, uh, you see these little signs going around and, and, and whatnot. Uh, it's a great business model and very valuable for her clients. Um, I am Clint Crook, and so I am a, uh, a director at Accenture, uh, where I listen, uh, use my ears like your your listeners are, and mm-hmm. I listen for my customers' uh, challenges, and I help them through digital transformations. And I get up every day, and I do what I love, and uh, it is uh, it's amazing to help uh, customers through their challenges. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Clint. And Clint, you introduced me to our next panelist, and here he is. He's going to tell us who he is, Ryan Schramm, S-C-H-R-A-M. Ryan Schramm, welcome to TechRev, and why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, please? Thanks for having me, Bonnie, and great Mm -hmm. to join you, Lori and Clint. Uh, So my day job is that I serve as the chief operating officer at a company named Isaiah, and Isaiah provides software and services that help marketers, principally brands and their agencies, and new age creators connect to develop scalable influencer marketing and content marketing programs. Uh, the company is headquartered in what we consider the tech capital of Florida, Orlando, all, all, all jokes aside, besides the <laughs> Disney and convention connection. Uh, but we have a presence throughout North America with additional offices in all the places that you expect, whether it's L.A., Chicago, Toronto, and New York. And really, uh, my, my career is, has uh, 
been sort of similar to Delores, is that it's been at this intersection of technology, advertising, marketing, and media, uh, which has really been incredible when you juxtapose that to things related to CES. When I first started going to the conference decades ago, it was really focused on, on gizmos and gadgets. And today, I think it's very safe to argue that when you're walking that show floor or you know, visiting with different partners or customers on the strip in a hospitality suite, uh, now that show really transcends some of those passion areas that I've had where you're seeing CMOs of Fortune 100 companies interacting with those uh, innovators, whether they happen to be venture-backed in early stage or, mm-hmm. or giant legacy companies like an Amazon or Lenovo, really talking about the fact that this digital transformation that Clint was referring to is happening in pretty much every aspect of the consumer journey today. So I'm really excited to join the panel and, and share some of my perspective on the show. Thank you, Ryan. I am so impressed with the three of you already. I have to tell you a secret. I always have four on the panel, and today we have three, and I think we are absolutely packed with intelligence and savvy insights, and I'm very excited to have the three of you. This is the part of the show, by the way, to my listeners, if you're just tuning in and you missed the wonderful introductions from my three panelists, our topic today is CES, that's a Consumer Electronics Show 2020, Robot Kitties, Smart Trash Cans, Connected Toothbrushes, and Oodles of Gadgets. What are you going to do with them? That, that's what we're talking about today with Laurie Schwartz at Sorry Tech and with Clint Crook at Accenture and Ryan Schramm at Isaiah. So now is the part of the show where I have asked each of my esteemed panelists to send me a quote about the future in advance. And now in their own words, they're going to tell us why they picked the quote and how it relates to our topic. So Laurie H. Schwartz is up first. And Laurie sent us a quote from Arthur C. Clark. And he spells Clark with an E on the end. Let me give you a little background here. Sir Arthur Charles Clark, C-B-E-F-R-A. A.S. 1917 to 2008 was a British science fiction writer, science writer, and futurist inventor, undersea explorer, and TV series host. My goodness. He wrote the screenplay, wait for it, everyone, for the 1968 movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I'll just leave it there. Won a whole bunch of awards, and he's considered among the big three of science fiction. Here's the quote Laurie selected. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Laurie, I've seen this quote before, and I love it. How did you pick it for today? I think it's very applicable, but let's hear it in your own words. Uh, well, I, I like to show Arthur C. Clarke um, on his BBC series in the 60s, where he talks about the future of telecommunications, and he basically predicts Skype and voice over IP and all the things that are going to happen in business, where we're going to be, you know, be able to speak to people across the world and never leave our house. And of course, in the 60s, <laughs> That was absolutely shocking, and it did seem like magic. And so a lot of the things that he talked about felt like science fiction because he was a science fiction writer. But actually, science fiction is the way that we head to science fact because it's in the idea that we translate that magic into reality. And so I think he was one of those folks that really took science fiction and moved it away from sort of B-movie films to kind of Mm -hmm. what Star Trek and Star Wars have become, which is something that lights up actual invention. Um, And so so he's one of my favorite people to talk about when I'm trying to help people understand the context around technology. 
Thank you very much. I love the word magic. And yes, he was quite the visionary, Lori. Uh, he, let's see, he was, he was an avid popularizer of space travel and a futurist, they say, of uncanny ability. Absolutely. Great quote. Thank you for picking that one. Let's move to Clint Crook sitting next to Lori around our virtual roundtable from Accenture. And Clint picked a quote. Yep. Talk about sci-fi, Clint. Uh, could there have been a better lead-in <laughs> from what Lori just said? So here's the quote. And I love this one. This is a quote from Back to the Future, 1985 fantasy sci-fi film. We're in the film world today. This is a quote from Dr. Emmett Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, telling Marty McFly, the wonderful Michael J. Fox. And let me just tell anybody, if you are very, very young, you never heard of this movie, OMG, rent it, buy it, stream it, download it, do something, but see it back to the future. There were a couple of them. In this 1980 sci-fi classic, small town California teen Marty McFly is thrown back into the 1950s. Oh my God! When an experiment by, experiment by his eccentric science Scientist friend Doc Brown goes awry, traveling through time in a modified DeLorean car. Can you imagine how they modified that in 1980? Marty encounters young versions of his parents and must make sure that they fall in love or he will cease to exist. He has to return, of course, to his own time and save Doc Brown. Here's the I love this. Here's the quote. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Clint, fabulous quote. Tell me, how did you pick that for our show today? Go ahead. It is probably one of the top five movies of all time, and I know Ryan shares this, uh, the love of the movie with me as well. It's, uh, we're geeks about that movie, and um, uh, we're just geeks in general. But the, the quote is, is amazingly hopeful, right, in its sincerest form about how innovators can never tire of uh, really kind of continually innovating processes, things, uh, events in our life to make it a easier, more heartfelt to spend with your loved ones and easier to do business with your, your best business partners. Um, and so the quote really kind of transcends time, right? In, in a hopeful, um, kind of almost romanticized version of, of, uh, a, an innovator, even a tinkerer, which was Doc Brown and his ultimate success to have a flying car, right? I mean, what if, can you imagine the ideas that would happen in the ecosystem that would happen around flight for a car and be able to personalize that to your favorite automobile, uh, like your, your, red, your red car, uh, Bonnie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How cool would that be to tool around <laughs> your local area and then in a moment, notice, be able to fly in your red car, um, those were the hopeful ideas and the tireless, tirelessly innovative aspects of that one simple quote. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Always exciting to hear that quote, and it pops up from time to time. Thank you very much, Clint. And let's move around the table yep. to Ryan Schramm. Ryan, I said on a show a couple months ago to my third panelist, you've been waiting patiently, and I got to him, and he said, how do you know how patient I am, Bonnie? So I say that only in jest. I don't know if you're patient because I don't know you, but here's a quote Ryan Schramm has sent from George Sparky Anderson. I confess I didn't know who he was. George Lee Sparky Anderson, 1930. 1930- to 2010 was an American Major League Baseball player, coach, and manager. He managed the NL National League's Cincinnati Reds to the 1975 and 76 championships, then a third title in 84 with the Detroit Tigers of the American League, and he was the first manager to win the World Series in both leagues. I won't read you all the stats. They don't mean anything to me, but they do to baseball fans. Look them up. George Sparky Anderson. Here's the quote. 
People who live in the past generally are afraid to compete in the present. I've got my faults, but living in the past is not one of them. There's no future in it. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, how did you, are you a baseball fan, first of all, and second of all, where'd you find this interesting quote? So, you know, Sparky is iconic to Detroiters, and I'm a native Detroiter, and he retired from after coaching the Tigers and winning the 84 World Series. And, you know, when you stop and consider it, uh, Sparky was actually an innovator of his own kind, certainly not from a technology standpoint, as we think about it uh, in this conversation, but very much in the modern era of, of baseball. And uh, I, I love this quote because, in my mind's eye, Futurism is often confused by many as, frankly, iteration, not innovation. People find themselves trapped in this dogma of new takes on old ideas. And if you think about what Sparky was able to do down in Cincy and ultimately in Detroit, is he really ushered in this new way of managing the balance of offensive and defensive baseball. If you think of some of the greats of that time, like Kirk Gibson uh, from my alma mater, Michigan State, who was on the mound for the Tigers in that World Series in 84, it was a new look for a very old sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a large large part of that was uh, Sparty's realization that this idea of not living in the past and reinventing things that others really didn't feel even need to be reinvented. And so I, I like to apply these uh, very unorthodox analogies to uh, modern era concepts so that really begs the question of, you know, are we as, as innovators and are we as technologists uh, truly innovating or are we just iterating? Thank you, Ryan. Your quote goes to the heart of how I named this series, Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. And we always hear people say, the future is here. The future is, well, I say, no, that was yesterday's future. Today's future doesn't, it isn't here yet. It hasn't happened yet. So when I say today's future and I pause, that was the future in that pause after the end of that almost sentence. So there you go. So you're all here to help us figure out how we can be part of making the future a great one. That's that's my mantra. That's what I say. Laurie Schwartz, this is the part of the show where we start taking a peek at all of the wonderful predictions each of my panelists has sent me. And we're going to go around the table. Uh, I think what we'll do is I'll read the first one from Laurie and ask you to spend about two minutes explaining it. And then I might think we have time for Clint and Ryan to make a quick comment on that. Then I'll pick a prediction from Clint and we'll go around the table and then one from Ryan. And after that, I think we'll just zip through the rest because we have so much to talk about. Laurie H. Schwartz told me the following, tech trends are merging together. It will be harder to identify them. Laurie, that's a little bit of an enigma. Tell me, what do you mean? <laughs> well, it used to be like right now we talk about artificial intelligence as a category and 5G as a category and real-time you know, video as a category and all these different sort of technology-driven solutions. But the truth is what's starting to happen is that AI and 5G and virtual reality and all these different things are all becoming so dependent on each other and impacting each other that even as you know, consultants, it's going to be hard for us separate them out. And that's because they're all working in this world together more than ever before. Interesting take. Let's see what Clint has to say. Agree or disagree with Lori? Yeah, no, I uh, totally agree. Uh, I, uh, every day I, uh, I'm, uh, I am listening to my customers and they're asking me to make sense of that exact scenario, right? It's like, Clint, you know, 
you know, or where do I use AR versus AI in my business challenges? Right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, you know, those each one of those topics are like looking at the sun. I tell them and saying, you know, what are you trying to do with AR? You know, that's a, it's a huge area. Um, I think maybe what you want to do is maybe mixed reality instead of AR, um, mm. and these are the reasons why. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a reason why I love getting up in the day. Very interesting take. Ryan Schramm, join us. Agree or disagree with either or both, Lori H. Schwartz or Clint Crook. Go ahead. I agree with both. I mean, one of the things that's really um, interesting, though, when you consider the fact that these technologies are blurring the lines that are highly reliant on one another, is that there really is not, and, and there probably uh, for the foreseeable future cannot be, uh, a single stack vision for implementation. And, and, for example, what I would say is you may see a commercial from Verizon touting the future vision of what 5G could be, but certainly as a, as a carrier provider, Verizon as an organization isn't working to figure out uh, how they can implement a singular solution for a Fortune 100 customer. They're just interested in being your carrier. And that presents both a challenge and an opportunity uh, for organizations around the world and, frankly, for, for firms like Accenture, where, where Clint works, to be able to start threading the needle of how do you bring these pieces that are very disparate but uh, vastly interconnected by necessity together. Otherwise, you're just herding stray cats. Very well put. That was provocative. Lori, any comments back to either of them before I move on? What do you think? I mean, I think um, what they're sharing is the business interpretation, you know, the business interpretation of what I said, which is how do you communicate this to your clients so that they can activate on it? Because in the, in the end, we have to translate this to people who aren't like living and breathing in this world. So I think they're they're spot on. That's how you take the idea and sort of say, okay, Here's what we do to break it down and make it relevant for you. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on. And, Clint, before I get to your device and gadget-specific predictions, which I asked you yep. and, and Ryan for, I'm going to read one of your more general ones, the first one you sent me. I'm curious. We'll go around the table with that. Yep. Then I'll pick one from Ryan's original list, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of what actually happened at CES 2020. So, Ryan, uh, Clint Crook says, the rebirth of the bundle to a rundle. Oh. What is that, Clint? What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, so uh, one of the things that um, I, I love, right, is uh, being, you know, uh, a student of life and then also working for some of the greatest companies in the in the world, like AT&T, right? AT&T is um, really kind of the, the king of bundling services, right? And so um, that and then also Microsoft, uh, they want to be able to have more product uh, in your hands to where you can use it, right? Which is totally makes sense as a business. Um, I would want to do the same thing. Um, so when you want to do that, you're able to kind of bundle the uh, the services and offer maybe a, a discounted price based on more of the services. So, but in regard to the rundle, um, mm-hmm. it's really kind of the the ecosystem or the next generation of how that that uh, that bundle can um, be offered, right? So. Uh, in a, uh, a scenario where um, you know Microsoft has you know their services, but if then you add on um, uh, you know an, another ecosystem partner, it is able to really kind of define 
that uh, solution even even more and add more value. Is there a specific reason for the word? Tell me what rundle means in this context. A rundle. What is it? Yeah. It, yep. So it's it, it's just a it's a, a new uh, new way of uh, kind of redefining the you know the bundle aspect, right? And so it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's that's how it is. Yeah. Okay, it also has something to do with the relationship between two male dragons. I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry very much. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. You'll never know what I find when I'm on air. That's what I do. I look stuff up, and whatever pops up, I say, well, that's interesting, but not for this show. We are all not audience. Show. Right, exactly. All I audience rated. My, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Let's quickly go around and see if, if uh, Ryan Tram, anything you want to add about the bundle to the rundle? Well, you know, I, I think we also have to talk about the fact that this is happening largely because of industry consolidation, right? Mm-hmm. I, who would have ever thought that an old-school telco at AT&T would someday go and buy Time Warner, right? Um, as an aside, you know, my personal opinion is that um, the integration of Warner Media will ultimately go down as one of the biggest disasters since Time Warner and AOL merged uh, you know, almost two decades ago, there's just a massive culture conflict there. But I think when you have providers like at AT&T, they're staring down the barrel of needing to diversify and not become a potential dummy pipe, if you will, for connectivity. They, they have to look at other ways of being able to drive value for their shareholders. Um, and some of those attempts work out and some of them don't. I mean, you could also argue that uh, things like DirecTV are equally challenging for those types of organizations. So, you know, in the meantime, what we have near-term, I think, for consumers is the fact that you can have really uh, convenient bundles of certain things. You can have, uh, for a consumer, an AT&T iPhone that mm-hmm. has DirecTV Now as an over-the-top service, which oddly circumvents their, their own investment of DirecTV in terms of the satellite dish in your backyard. Uh, what will still be uh, out there to come, I think, is what consumers are wanting is, is the uh, efficiencies that come from bundling, and certainly enterprises want that too. But what we still haven't reached is an inflection point where there's also at the same time of bundling services a debundling of menu items in those services. You know, I, we haven't come to a point in this country yet where you can go and, and say, you know what, I don't want a direct TV now, AT&T. What I actually want is to be able to pick the top five uh, cable networks that I happen to frequent the most and mm-hmm. pay, per, pay, pay for those a la carte and a la carte only. And, yes. I, and I'll happily use that on your device, which happily runs on your network if it saves me money. That's where people are going. Thank you very much. Lori, let's get you in on this. Thoughts, please? Yeah, um, I think one of the most exciting things about all of this is the personalization that's going to come from leveraging uh, over-the-top and streaming technologies. So in this bundling, um, we're going to be able to learn more and more about people's behavior, and we're going to be able to uh, really send them advertising and also content that's the most relevant to them because we'll ha- we'll know who they are in a way that we couldn't before. Um, and there'll be some privacy pushbacks and some struggle with how this is really delivered. But I think this 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 idea that you know I just got a Fire Cube TV and I basically say to it, you know, show me kids content and up comes a window of content from a variety of providers. And I, as the consumer, I don't know that it's coming from 
CBS Discovery or HBO mm-hmm. Max or whatever the platform is, it's serving me up choices that are very, you know, personalized for me. And so I think that's really where it's going to get exciting and it's going to be about creating great content um, and relevant content to specific segments of the population. Thank you. Good comments all. Clint, anything back to them before I move on? No, it's exactly what I wanted to show. It's really the, the, the kind of the, the, the next, you know, ecosystem partner that is adding value, right? It's, 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 a, it's a massive opportunity, and I love it. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Ryan Schramm, I'm looking at your, the first four predictions you sent me. I want to combine two of them, so allow me. I'm the, I'm the dealer, so it's dealer's choice here. So, Ryan, the first thing you said was there was no killer app at CES any longer. The show might have jumped the shark. Why don't you just give me your POV? We'll go around the table, and then I have another one I want to talk about. So, Ryan Schramm, no killer app at CES. Are you sure? What does that mean? So if, if I was going to be a bear on CES for a second, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about both sides of my mouth, but I, I do think genuinely when you look at the show today, it's taken on a life of its own. When we first started, it was right at the Las Vegas Convention Center. It was a very walkable show. Um, it was very much focused on different themes. This is where the idea of consumer cell phones were really birthed. The idea where a 16 by 9 HD display was birthed. And it was able to grasp attention. Um, it, it's almost a victim of, of its own success nowadays with CES. When you have 20,000 product launches, uh, how on earth can anyone get a news cycle for attention? And mm-hmm. as a result, you end up you know, going down these different rabbit holes of different categories. And certainly there's different iterative things that are happening. But the most you know, recent example that anyone can really say uh, about CES has been a killer app. It was sort of the electrification or Google uh, homification or Google assistantification of, of the conference a few years ago. And then on top of that, you know, more recently, 5G, which is, is a, another issue unto itself that we'll talk about, I'm sure, as the conversation goes on in terms of mm-hmm. the hype from carriers not really meeting the, the promise. So uh, unfortunately today, I, I think that uh, when you think about CES and the fact that it spans literally every available square foot of, of, of conference space, not just in the convention center, but up and down the strip and transcends so many categories, it's almost impossible for there to be that one hero product. Very, I think that's provocative. Lori Schwartz, what do you think? You, Lori H. I'm sorry, I called the wrong Lori Schwartz. Lori H. Schwartz, <laughs> I want the right. I want the real one. I want the real Lori H. Schwartz. Lori, what do you think? You agree or disagree? There is no killer app at sea. Did they overshoot it? Are they? Are they? What are they doing? Well, I, I think um, that they they are delivering on this idea that they're presenting all the opportunities and consumer technology that's out there, and so. You know, part of why um, I believe in this tour product so much, honestly, is because I can create a very targeted experience for the right, uh, you know, person attending the show. So if you are only interested really specifically in automotive technology and the future of autonomous vehicles, then, then you can go to an area that's just focused on that. And so the noise about products there will be mm-hmm. relevant to you as, as opposed to you seeing the entire show, you know, where it is really difficult for any of all of that technology to have, um, you know, relevance to you. So I think the show over time is going to become more and more targeted. 
Um, and mm-hmm. just as an example, I give two time, kinds of tours right now. I give private tours that are specifically, you know, requested by a group of people who want to see a specific area. And then I give these general sort of omakashi tours where I sort of present overall trends to the show. So it really depends on, like, you as the attendee, what your needs are, and then, you know, leveraging the show in that way. It's not really up to the show to tailor, you know, and limit itself. It is really big, so, you know, Mm -hmm. use it as it supports your business. Very well put. Nice targeted, focused comment there. Clint Crook, what do you think? Yeah, so it was it was a ton of 5G, right? And so mm-hmm. if I hear or see um, another advertisement that 5G is going to save my, <laughs> my, you know, make my life better, um, right now, um, I, I'm going to turn away and I'm not going to even listen to it. Um, there was, you know, uh, you know, skywriting about 5G. That's how pervasive it was this year at CES. Um, it, there was, to, to Ryan's point, there was no killer app, right? There was no, um, you know, Hue uh, home automation launch that is going to make my life better. There was no, um, you know, 4K smart TV that came out three years ago that's going to make my life better. It was a, it was a, an amalgamation of everybody from 5G to medical devices, um, and then the, you know, the, the Chinese uh, Apple iPhone accessorizers, uh, really just kind of doing the one next best step in their industry. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. There's no killer app. Let me ask the whole panel a question. Anybody just chime in. Based on this comment that Ryan Tram started, we've gotten a, an agreement from Lori H. Schwartz and Clint Crook. Do you think that the <laughs> idea, I got it, do you think that the idea of having CES every single year, Lori, I'm not trying to put you out of business, please, is that there's too much pressure to come up with that new amazing thing? We've already dissected a little bit. We haven't even gotten into the gadgets and the oodles of everything. We're going to talk about that next. But do you think that that's too much pressure and the reason that there's no killer app this year is because the cycle didn't get to that point yet they're just adding bits and pieces Lori, what do you think we'll just go quickly around the table yes or no yeah i mean i i I think that's a great point i don't know if it's ever going to be about one killer thing because i think it's additive Mm. just like i said about all these trends coming together i think it's how all of this is swirling together and then how it impacts your business so I don't think you should look for the killer solution. I think it's about going every year, seeing incremental change, and understanding what's happening in the industry. Um, and I understand from the affordability, maybe you don't want to go every year, but I, I, I learn something every year mm-hmm. that impacts my year. And what you said, incremental change, that's, that's the key to yep. negating what I said. Thank you. Clint, what do you think about that? It's yeah. the incremental? Yeah, you agree? I totally agree. Totally yep. agree. It isn't. Uh, it, it is incremental, and um, uh, it going every year as a technologist and as an evangelist for change and innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be there every year for sure. Yep. Thank you, Ryan. What do you think? I, I think the CEA is smart to already try to do this more than once per year. And the, the, there's an Asian version now of the of the CES show, and there's also a, a CES ready show happening. It's more of a briefing. Uh, in New York, and frankly, more corporations would be better off trying to figure out uh, and not be disappointed by perhaps mm-hmm. more sensationalistic media trying to find and promote uh, and report on that one killer app, and instead 
hire people like Lori's firm to give them that curated experience. <laughs> That's I what I say. A lot say. of this is. We know, Lori. We know. We know. We're with. We're with you, Lori. Ryan, you were the one who started this. That's why I wanted to get everybody's opinion because I, I think what you just said about more versions of CES around the world, very applicable. And the answer question is why, and the answer is because what Lori said, incremental innovations. It doesn't have to be the killer. Ryan, you mentioned you want to talk about 5G. That was my next pick out of your list, but I think we've covered that pretty much. I'm just going to read what Ryan said, and then I do want to move on. Ryan says, the hype from carriers on the promise of 5G, and Clint doesn't want to see those ads anymore, will not meet consumer reality anytime soon, potentially for a very long time. Let, let's move ahead. So, Lori, I'm going to go I'm going to go faster around the table now because we have so much to talk about. Sure. Lori, your second one, uh, your third prediction, let's just briefly, I'm not going to ask for feedback unless somebody blurts it out, but I want to just run through and pick a lot. So, Lori, you say, robots in the home serving a basic function are just around the corner. What are we going to expect, Lori? Well, we're seeing it already even with just your Roomba. <laughs> Or, or even <laughs> all of these connected <laughs> devices. And I, we saw a lot of robots at CS. So I think we're going to start to see them look more uh, personified um, and a lot, a lot of these sort of um, individual category technologies coming together. And I think it's just a matter of time before you take an Alexa-like capability and put it into some sort of humanoid figure. Thank you. You mentioned personalization a while ago, Larry. I don't want my called, I don't want my vacuum device called Roomba. I want one called merengue or salsa or bachata. I want to be able, cause I just started, I just, I'm making an announcement here. I just started my own band. It's Latin rhythms only. I have a fabulous retired MD who plays congas, bongos, and sings in real Spanish. He, he's a Spanish speaking native. And the name of my band is Red Hot Mango. So just put that on somewhere and think yeah. about that. And when we, when we make it to the big time, which we never will, I'll, I'll send you a complimentary CD. But I want, I love Latin <laughs> dancing, Laurie, and I used to teach dancing years ago. And I, I don't want a rumba. I want, I want a merengue, da, 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 da. I want a different well, rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. One other thing, Bonnie, is to think about with all of this stuff, to your point, is having a robot that can dance with you, is that a lot of this stuff <laughs> is going to be about fulfilling lifestyle needs. And so yes. one of the things that I think will be yes. great is, Say a robot that is able to answer the door and send an image to you that your kid just got home, you know, and and things like that. So they're going to be very lifestyle solution oriented. I love that. Thank you very much. I would love a robot that would dance with me, actually. I gave, I gave up my ballroom and Latin dancing a year and a half ago to start playing the drums and running bands. So what can I tell you? Bring on the dancing robot. There you go. That's something we can tell CES for next year. We need a dancing robot that's very suave for me and very very beautiful for whoever the partner is who commands it. Thank you. Let's move on. Clint. You talk about, I mentioned this in my opening, I couldn't stand not mentioning smart toothbrushes. You say Oral-B has released several smart toothbrushes before, like the 220, what? $220 Oral-B Genius 10X, yep. which use sensor data in an AI algorithm to suggest on where to focus on the brushing. So where have we come as far as smart toothbrushes? And do you know anybody who would pay $220 for a toothbrush, Clint? Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it, I was my mouth was on the floor as uh, when I was going by the the seriously, it was going when I was going by the booth for Procter and Gamble and uh, and and others in Colgate that make these uh, you know uh, IoT based toothbrushes right I mean that's really what it is 
it's an Internet of Things for your mouth, right? And so um, I, I like I really scratched my head. I'm like, oh, really? So I had to you know learn more, right? And they are ultra serious about this. Um, the the OEMs that make the, uh, the the toothbrushes, right? So Procter and Gamble and Colgate and everything else, and all the other ones, and they they have AI algorithms that based on the two minute drill that you're supposed mm-hmm. to you know follow their their suggestions on to the best way to brush your teeth, right? I mean, then that's I thought I knew, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, do my do my A B C D, you know, my alphabet, you know, and you know my twenty six or whatever. And so, um, but I no, uh, there is a way, and and they are redefining themselves as a service based company from then yet a manufacturing company, right? So they manufacture toothbrushes. Probably, you know, half of them were probably down in Venezuela or Mexico or China, right? Plastic things with some nylon brushes. Mm-hmm. So that's a sleepy technology, right? A laggard, if you will. They have now become an innovator in that space and differentiated themselves from the sleepy toothbrush. And so as a result, right, I didn't know that I needed a Garmin watch that was $800, but you know yes. what? The things that that Garmin watch does makes my life better. And then Click. I was able to, you know, you mm-hmm. know, do this and that. And this $200 toothbrush is going to make someone's life better because they love to have that feeling of a clean set of teeth. Clint, wasn't that one of Steve Jobs' mantras that we're going to give people what they want before they know what they wanted? Wasn't that one of the yes. design principles yes. of Apple? There you yes. go. I, I love that. Can you yes. see the dentist saying, what color toothbrush would you want, Clint? You know, we're going to give you a toothbrush. So you, and you're saying, oh, I'd like the, the orange one. And they say, well, that's going to add another $295 to your bill. Please pay up front. We take credit cards or PayPal. Can you, can you see that? No more free right. toothbrushes. Well, yes, I, I can see it because it's, it's the whole ecosystem, right? And sure. It's the innovation right. of that company. And then you put it, you put the app on your phone, right? Yes. And you can see how you have progressed oh, and- to be a better brusher. OMG, 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 enough. I, I, I have to finish the show. <laughs> Stop. All right, let's move on. Ryan Schramm has a, a great one here. He says, for many, weight tracking is terrifying. You're speaking to the masses here. Mateo wants to fix that. I didn't say it was massive. I just said the masses. Mateo wants to fix that by being a smart bathroom mat that tracks your weight, your body composition, and your even your posture. Ryan, I have to tell you, I used to be, no surprise, a stand-up comedian years ago. Now I just try to be funny sitting down. And so far, I'm doing pretty well. But I had a closing joke, a closing bit on one of my routines way back. I won't tell you how many decades ago. And I, in my in my thing, had a smart scale. Now, scales were able, I think, to have some kind of a talking device in them back in the day. And I said something like uh, my scale was talking back to me and it was saying something like you shouldn't have had that chocolate cake for dessert last night, Bonnie. So I was, <laughs> I was predicting this in my comedy routine in the 1990s. We'll let it go at that. So, so Ryan, Mateo, what is this smart bathroom scale? How smart is it? My posture? Go ahead. Well, first of all, you, you were a futurist even back then, Bonnie, so we shouldn't <laughs> be surprised by that joke. But yeah, I mean, really what it comes down to is that there's been a lot of science put into the fact that passive measurement for the average consumer is far more effective than active measurement. In other words, taking the effort to step onto that scale is, is a massive 
psychological experiment for a lot of people looking to live a healthier lifestyle. So the, the simple uh, fact was, gosh, people who are you know, getting out of the shower or who are wanting their feet to be warm while they're getting ready in the morning are probably going to stand on a bath mat. Um, and what if we could make that bath mat a lot smarter and have it be something where you didn't have to worry about uh, shifting around where your foot was to try to change mm-hmm. your, your weight for a pound or two to convince <laughs> yourself you were losing weight, and, mm-hmm. that, and then even add even more value, uh, especially for folks who are advancing in age and so much about the, um, the healthcare uh, integrated devices landscape for CES was about the preparation for baby boomers aging in this country. Um, things like posture make a huge difference. Uh, especially for uh, things related to muscular skeletal tone um, mm-hmm. as, as, as folks age. So the Mateo is, is really trying to get to a point of being able to have folks that, that are able to be of a mindset where they're just stepping on that mat, uh, seeing what readings come through on an app, um, and allowing those readings to be prescriptive to actual lifestyle changes or posture changes or the like that you can make that aren't as intimidating as traditional means. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you for validating my visionary qualities as a stand-up uh, comedian welcome. in the 1990s <laughs> OMG. Laurie, I'm going around to you. You have a very interesting prediction here. You say the creative class will be the stars of the future. Please define, as they say on the news, Laurie H. Schwartz, please unpack this for us. What does this mean? <laughs> well, there's this uh, whole concept about below the API, which is this idea that, um, that you know, software and um, applications and all of this stuff will be so automated and so driven by robotics that that will um, people will lose their jobs. And so, a lot of the sort of middle management layer and people who were um, working in factories and doing all of these things won't have roles, and that that's where there's a lot of fear about artificial intelligence and a future of jobs. But what's really interesting is that no matter what happens, you can't replace ideas and you can't replace creativity. Um, and so the, the role of the thinker and the creative person is going to become even more paramount as we, you know, blaze through all these new technology solutions and sort of the um, below this level of job goes away to you know, technology, we'll still need the thinkers. No matter what, that role, that creativity will always be um, needed. Thank you very much. I'm moving around the table quickly now. Clint Crook, I'm looking at your comment here. Apple will announce a car partnership and their stock will rise yeah. boom, accordingly. Is this is this yeah. something that's already fact-based or is this just a uh, in no, the sky? No. This is, yeah, no, this is a futuristic thing, right? So I... I as kind of the evolution of the Apple ecosystem, right? Uh, mm-hmm. they, they are able to kind of, um, you know, have AirPlay, Apple Air, you know, Apple AirPlay in the cars that they have partnerships with. But I think in the in the you know next couple of years, um, to the likes, you know, to be competitive with a Tesla car, right? Um, there'll be an Apple car, in my uh, 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 opinion, and there'll be um, some type of uh, brand personalized brand around that particular um, uh, Apple-branded car, right, just like there was mm-hmm. with a watch. If you take sure. the, you know, the one-tenth of the 1% of the wealthiest people um, and you brand an a Apple car to them, uh, that might be provocative. 
Interesting. Interesting. I can see why the stock would go up at least temporarily until they had to drive it. Ryan Schramm. <laughs> Smartwatch. I'm sorry. Withings. I want to say Writhings. Wythings Smartwatch, the scan watch, has a one-lead electrocardiogram for checking for arrhythmia, measuring blood oxygen levels, blood ox, and can continuously monitor for possible atrial fibrillation. It can also check on sleep apnea. Is this something that's already in production? Are people buying this? Was this actually at CES? Ryan, just give us a quick overview, please. Yeah, it was, it was announced at CES, Bonnie, and it'll be available to market here in the next month or so. Certainly, smartwatches are not anything new, mm-hmm. uh, and Apple in particular has capitalized on this idea of putting computers on your wrist in yes. recent years. But one of the things that we thought was really interesting with, with ScanWatch is that um, being able to do things like electrocardiogram or um, blood ox um, really are, are battery intensive. So mm-hmm. by changing our technology and really innovating on the sensor array, uh, ScanWatch is able to do those things on an ongoing passive basis without chowing through a battery in an hour or two like your Apple Watch would currently be able to do. I think it's also for people who uh, have uh, sleep partners who struggle with sleep, sleep apnea, mm-hmm. it's intended to be worn 24 hours a day um, mm-hmm. and to actually help people understand if you know, the biggest danger of sleep apnea is that when you're snoring, your, your heart changes rhythms and, and could stop. So by being able to marry uh, uh, passive audio listening at night along with heart activity, uh, it would give people uh, a lot of directional insight uh, if they actually do indeed suffer from that. Thank you very much. I remember the days of knowing someone who wore one of those space-age-looking masks, oxygen masks, at night for sleep apnea. It's a scary thing to see. It's worse to sleep next to. It's where am I? Okay, you don't don't dare wake up in the middle of the night. You just get scared. And then you stop breathing, and then everybody's got a problem. We'll leave that one on the table. I'm going to go around the table. We have just enough time for about 90 seconds from each of you for a closing. But instead of asking you for the prediction and the mommy and daddy of all predictions, I'm going to read the title of this episode and ask you what was your favorite device that you might consider using, wearing, investing in at CES 2020. So I said in the opening, what can you do with robot kitties, smart trash cans, and oodles of gadgets? Lori H. Schwartz, what was your favorite something that you saw at CES that you might use? Just I'll give you 90 seconds, and then uh, Clint, get ready, and then Ryan. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, this might sound a little boring, but uh, there's just upgrades in wireless charging devices that mm. will work with all your different devices as opposed to having one for your watch and one for your phone and one for your earplugs, but these really architecturally beautiful uh, solutions that could be all around your house to charge everything. That's not boring. That's practical, and we all need something like that, Lori. That's a damn good <laughs> thing. I, I'm glad you told us it existed. That was brief and to the point. She didn't use her 90 seconds, so I can throw you a little bit more. Clint Crook at Accenture. What you got, Clint? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so um, uh, an innovative idea from uh, a local university here, Michigan State University. There's a couple of uh, students, junior, uh, they're juniors at Michigan State. They've come up with an idea that is revolutionary in my world. I haven't seen this anywhere else. So uh, especially with uh, the vaping uh, really kind of mm-hmm. epidemic that we have within our country, yes. um, they have developed a, a weaning device for vapors, if you will. 
And so uh, a lot of times with uh, the oral need to have, you know, uh, doing a, a puff um, and having that sensation, they've mm-hmm. basically created a, a dummy vaping device uh, that will give you the sensation of vaping without the uh, adverse side effects, like re- lung Thank replacement, you. which has been... Uh, yeah, so it's it, that is huge, and it's called Campos, and uh, it's an amazing device to uh, help a lot of people that are suffering from vaping. Thank you. We'll look for more news. Very important on that one. And Ryan Schramm, I saved just barely ninety seconds for you. What you got? So, in, in, in full disclosure, I did stop by and see a smart trash can, Bonnie. So I went to the <laughs> Simple Human booth. I gotta tell you that, that you, you never think you want to activate a trash can until someone accidentally leaves that lid open, and it does that come down pretty handy. But um, all, all jokes aside, I, I looked at a company called Medwand that was intended for uh, remote diagnostic functions for doctors to examine patients remotely. This is something they can mm-hmm. actually look at everything from the heart to the lungs, uh, nose, throat, mouth, all, all the key areas of the body. And knowing that we have a, a large medical shortage in this country of doctors, and that's uh, you know forecasted to remain the same for future years, I think it could be a great investment to make uh, in being able to serve more potential patients, particularly those in remote areas. Thank you. Great, great recommendations or whatever fascinated you. Thank you to the three of you. I have a prediction of my own, and this is really serious. My prediction is that Laurie H. Schwartz at StoryTech, Clint Crook at Accenture, and Ryan Tram at Isia will come back on Technology Revolution, the Future of Now with me in a couple months and talk about other innovations that are on their hot top ten list, something like that. So that's my prediction. You can all three say yes or no quickly. Are you going to make my prediction come true, Laurie, Clinton, Ryan? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy to. I'm here. We'll be Great. there. One, see, see, I already predicted something that's going to be no more comedy routine. I want to thank the three of you. It's been such a joy. Lori, it's so long overdue that you come on one of my radio shows. I'm delighted. I have to oh, thank so Mike. Oh, delicious. Absolutely delightful. Ryan Treasure, my co-producer and uh, the VP of everything at Voice America, put you in touch with me, and I'm so glad you accepted the invitation. Clint Crook, it's always wonderful to speak with you. Ryan Tram, you're one of my new best tech friends, and I'm delighted that that Clint recommended you to me. And I have an engineer named Aaron Keller, who is, I call him the nerves of steel engineer extraordinaire. Laura, you know what I mean. When I have my prediction show at the end of the year, we get 12 to 16 people sharing. Isn't he something? Something 12 to 16 people share a 57-minute show, and I do five weeks of that at the end of the year, and Aaron doesn't even sweat, so he's wonderful. So I'm going to say to my listeners, we love you out there. We hope we have enlightened you, inspired you, or made you laugh a little bit, and I have three wonderful panelists. We might change the format of the show to three. The three of you really filled up the time. I Sometimes I sweat God trying to get four, and here we are with three, so you're definitely coming back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for tuning in to Tech Revolution. We call it Tech Rev, the future of now remember the future of now did not happen yet and you are part of making it happen so let's make it great aka radio red signing off bye bye thank you for joining us for technology revolution the future of now mark your calendar to join host bonnie d graham every wednesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now